Morning. How are you? Glad to be, glad you're all here today for this last message on boundaries. It's been a good series, hasn't it? Living did a good job, didn't he? All right, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Before you give him all the glory here for a second, I got to tell you about how this series came about. It just didn't happen to fall in Libin's lap. There were several of us who wrote together, but where the idea came from was from my wife. I want to give my wife a little props because she told me I didn't have any boundaries. <laughs> she handed me a book and said, you need to read this. And so while a bunch of us were sitting around, Libin, Juan Carlos, and I were talking about what we wanted to do, I brought up boundaries. I said, hey, my wife says I don't have any. Maybe we should teach on it. And here we are. You're welcome. There you go, this morning. How many of you right now, currently in your life, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, have somebody that drives you crazy? All right, be honest. Hands up. Let's see them. Okay, all right. Now, those of you that didn't put your hand up, you're probably busted because that's why you're here, because the person who raised their hand, all the kids were going, my parents are nuts. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about crazy. We're going to talk about how do we live joyously in the boundaries that we need to establish to have healthy relationships. There was a man who had raised a beautiful daughter, and she came to him one day and said, Dad, I've met the man of my dreams, and I'm going to marry him. He looked at her like, oh, honey, that's great, but I've never met the guy. I know, he's wonderful, and so I set up an interview for you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. He'll be here. You can ask him all the questions you want. He went, well, that, that's interesting. Okay. So the next day, there's a knock on the door right at 3 o'clock. The father opens the door, and there stands a man who says, hello, sir, my name is Larry, and I want to marry your daughter. That's not a good way to start a conversation off. I'm just telling you right there. All right, Larry, come on in. Have a seat. I would love to ask you some questions. I want to make certain that you are prepared to marry my daughter. My wife and I have done everything possible to raise this woman for the best, and we want the best for her. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. And he said, Larry said, go ahead. You ask me anything you want. I have no secrets. All right. First question, Larry. Do you have a job? Do you have a career? What do you do for a living? And Larry looked at the father and said, no, I don't have a career. I don't have a job. And I have a low work ethic. But God will provide. And the father goes, oh, no, he threw out the God card. The God will provide card. How do I defend that? I'm like looking at either an angel or a man that needs medication. So the father said, well, we'll skip that question. All right, Larry, do you have any assets? Real estate? Stock, you know, you're in the stock market, you got any, you know, long-term saving account because we want our daughter to be set up for the future. We want that man to provide for her future. He says, sir, I, I don't have any stocks, no assets, no bonds, no, no real estate, nothing like that. But God will provide. Well, now the father is sweating bullets. He's traumatized. He's like, what is going on? Who is this guy that's going to marry my daughter? He goes, Larry, I got one more question for you. Do you have any dreams or goals, any aspirations? We want our daughter to have somebody that's adventurous and fun and can provide a future of like just goals and aspirations. And Larry looked at the dad and said, I have no dreams, no goals, no aspirations, but God will provide. So the, the interview ends and Larry goes away and father's sitting there going, oh no, what is going on? And the wife comes in, so how'd the meeting go? How'd the interview go? 
He said, well, honey, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. She goes, all right, give me the bad news first. Well, bad news is this. Larry has no job. He's got no assets. He's got no aspiration, goals, and dreams. Mom's freaked out. Now she's traumatized. What's the good news? He said, well, Larry thinks I'm God. The funny thing about that, though, is that all of us can relate to that because all of us know somebody that expects us to be God in their life. And it does really illustrate the core importance of having healthy boundaries in our life, doesn't it? Because there are some people in our life that expect you to take on their responsibilities that they need to fulfill themselves. There are people in this world today, in our work in our homes, in our neighborhoods, that expect you to be God to them. Be God in my money. I've got financial problems. You fix them. Be God in my personality. I've got a strange personality. You solve it. Be God in my failures. I've got a lot of problems. You solve my problems. Be God in the fact that I can't get a job. I have a a low work ethic. You fix it. I've got some emotional problems. Help me. Fix it. Get me right. The problem is, when people expect that from us, it doesn't allow for us to establish healthy boundaries. When you're around those people that you think are crazy, they make you crazy. And it should. You were never intended, God never intended for us to be God to anybody and take on the responsibilities of their lives. Never. So who is it that's making you crazy? Who is it that is expecting you to be God in their life right now? Who is expecting for you to step in and do all their responsibilities? Well, keep them in the forefront of your mind this morning as we walk through this message. Solomon, David's son, said this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. In other words, it's important to guard your heart. From your heart is everything that is you. The inner person is the most important aspect of life. Your core values, your feelings, your emotions are in your heart. Your thoughts, the decisions you make are in your heart. Guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. For us, for many of us, when we take on the responsibilities of someone else, it's because we're not guarding our heart. We're all about them now and we're not about us. We're not protecting ourselves. And those healthy boundaries we've been talking about don't exist. They don't happen. As a matter of fact, this nice wood fence has a bunch of holes in it when we take on the responsibilities of other people, when we become God to them in their life. Let me give you a vision for what God did design when it comes to healthy relationships. Because we understand this vision that God has, we will understand the importance of having healthy boundaries, healthy relationships in our life. God designed two elements to work together beautifully to ensure that we have healthy relationships. The first element is simply grace. Something that I need a lot of, grace. Something we all need a lot of. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what is grace? We hear that word a lot around here. What's grace? Well, grace is the basic reality that God is for us. He's for us. He's on our team. He comes alongside of us. And it also means that he won't 
love me any less if I don't perform well. He'll always love me the same. At the other end, it says that I can't screw up that he would love me any less. He loves me more today, more tomorrow, the same all the time. I can't lose that grace. And I need to know that. And you need to know that. Because grace is that important. And grace comes in two forms, though. It comes vertically and it comes horizontally. The vertical is from God. It's what we read about in Scripture. It's where we, we, we feel that grace from the Holy Spirit, that indwelling of God within us. We get that grace every morning. We're so thankful that we have God's grace in our life. But the horizontal is the grace that we give to others and the grace we receive from others. That's the stewardship part that 1 Peter is talking about here. That we're to be good stewards of God's grace. When somebody needs grace, I give it. I extend grace to them. And then when I need grace, those people give it back to me. That's the healthy working relationship of grace. That's the importance of having grace. It allows us to be the delivery system of grace in healthy relationships. Do you see that? It's important. It's a major theme throughout Scripture. So when someone lets you tell your story to them, and they don't judge you, they don't condemn you, they don't mock you, they don't ridicule you, you're experiencing grace. It's the fuel of life. Relationships that have great grace have great relationships. They have great boundaries. And you know why? Because you're safe. They're safe. You're able to share whatever's going on in your world. You're not worried about them making fun of you or mocking you or judging you or criticizing you. And all of us in here know that we've been in a situation with a family member when we've shared something, or maybe a coworker, we've shared something really important in our life, something that impacts us deeply, and we want to share it with them, hoping that that's a safe environment. And what happens? They laugh at you. They judge you. Maybe they don't keep that a secret, and they go sharing it around the workplace. And the next thing you know, you're hurt. And what happens when you get hurt, when somebody becomes unsafe and the relationship becomes unsafe? You pull away. You pull back. You shut down. Safe relationships experience grace. Safe relationships allow you to open up. That's what it means to have grace, to be able, be able to be open, to be safe, to share what's on your heart without worry about what people will say, think, or do in regards to that information. Think about your closest friends. Some of, in, some of you in here have best friends. Some of you in here have close friends. I'm the type of person that I don't have a best friend, but I have a small circle of very close friends. Why are they your close friends? Why are they your best friends? Because you could share anything about your life with them. You could share your deepest, darkest secrets. You could, sell, you could share with them the silliest things, and they love you, and they give you grace, and they're safe, and they, they keep it confined. They don't judge you and condemn you. You love that. In my role as a pastor, and being a pastor now for upwards of 30 years, I have spoken in front of thousands of people. And if I shared all of my stuff in front of thousands of people, it would be like putting my information on social media. It becomes a target for anybody to say anything to me about what they feel. Their judgments, their condemnations, their, their criticism. So in my life, as you would imagine, I have a very close net group of people that allow Tim Homa to be Tim Homa. To be real with all my junk and my baggage and my issues and all my stuff. They love me. They extend grace to me on a regular basis. There are people I can go to with the stuff that's going on in my head and I can share it to them and they go, you know what? It's a safe place. Be you. We just want you to be you and know that you're loved. 
And we all need those types of relationships. We need those types of people who can cheer us on, pick us up when we're down, love us through the ugly stuff, come alongside with us and celebrate. That's grace. But we just can't have this element of grace for healthy boundaries and healthy relationships. There's got to be a second element, and that's simply the truth. The truth. What is truth? Truth is what is. The truth is what is real. There's the truth about gravity. Okay? There's the truth about physics. There's the truth, there's the truth about the Bible. There's the truth that a wise person who knows a lot gives information to us that helps us become smarter. Truth is the feedback, the feedback we give each other as friends, as business partners, as people we're in love with, as people we're married to. We give them feedback to tell them the truth to help them with structure in their life so that they don't go off course and make a mistake or ruin themselves. See, if we have nothing but grace, we're safe, but we can go off and do everything. Oh, they love my junk, and they love all my stuff, and they let me do everything I want, and I can go live, and, and they'll still accept me. But truth creates the structure that says, wait a minute, we've got some guard guardrails here. Let's stay within the guardrails. We want healthy boundaries. We want healthy relationships. Let's stay in this lane. Because when you get outside that lane, you get in trouble. You start to make some bad decisions. You've got to hear the truth. Imagine if you picked up your car from the car dealership after a tune-up. And the tech says to you, man, you got a great car. There's nothing wrong with this car at all. You must be an automotive, uh, automotive genius. No problems at all until you take your car and you realize that you're trying to stop and your brakes aren't working. You come to find out that the brake fluid is empty. Okay? And you could have died. So you go back to the tech and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that my car's brake fluid was low or empty and I could have died? Well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't want to offend you. I wanted you to feel like this was a safe place where you could, you know, feel accepted and loved. And you'd be like, I don't want you to tell me and build up my faith-based, you know, my ego. When it comes to my car, I want the truth. What if you went to your doctor and had a regular checkup? And the doctor says to you, you are a magnificent physical specimen. You have the body of an Olympian. You should be congratulated. And you're like, all right. And you go home and you're climbing the stairs and your heart gives way. And you find out that your, your arteries are, clogged, are so clogged that one more jelly donut and you're going to be beating the Grim Reaper. So you go back to the doctor and you say, doc, why didn't you tell me? Well, I, I didn't want to tell you that your body was worse than the Pillsbury Doughboy, but because I didn't want to offend you, I didn't want to upset you. It was bad for business if I tell you that your body's in bad shape. I want you to keep coming back. I wanted you to feel safe. I, didn't, I wanted you to feel accepted and loved. You're like, you'd be furious. You'd be like, just when it comes to my body, tell me the truth. I just need to know the truth. And that's what truth does. When we start to go offside the guardrails and we're not hearing the right information, truth brings us back to where we need to be so we can continue to live down this road of being surrounded by healthy boundaries and healthy relationships. Here's the way to look at it. Grace provides the safety we need. you got to have safety. Okay, It's got to be that safe place. Truth provides the structure we need so we don't screw up our lives and end up in a ditch. Truth provides structure. Grace provides the safety. It's a beautiful way that God takes the two of them and works them together. And you have to have a balance. 
And here's how I want to look at it from this perspective. Grace says, I'm for you no matter what. And truth says, I need to give you some feedback so you don't ruin yourself. We need the grace and we need the truth. But the balance of grace and truth don't always work. And today, we're looking at starting something today for a better tomorrow. We're looking today to live in joy, enjoying the, 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 the results of healthy boundaries. And if we don't learn to balance the grace and the truth, starting today is not going to allow us to have a better tomorrow if we can't balance those. And we've got to have some things in place that allows us to balance grace and truth. And one of those things is that we've got to start learning to love others without rescuing them. Hit home, didn't it? We have a lot of rescuers in here, don't we? We rescue our kids a lot. We rescue our families a lot. We rescue people in our lives a lot. We do. And friends, love and rescue are not the same thing. Rescue, enabling, codependency, and love are, are different beasts all together. Love says I'm on your team and I'm on your side, but I'm not going to fix your problems. Rescue says, don't worry about your problems, I'll take care of them. Galatians chapter, two, uh, chapter 6, verses 2 and 5, Livin opened this up a couple weeks ago, says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Each one of you should carry your own load. So many of us, if you remember that illustration that Livin shared with the backpacks and the boulders, so many of us right now are just piled up with backpacks and boulders because you're rescuing people. You're a rescuer. You're not showing love to them. What you're doing is you're rescuing, rescuing them and you're trying to take their issues. You don't think their issues are going to continue to pile up? Do you not think that they're going to continue to add more boulders into their life because somebody else is fixing their problem? They haven't learned yet how to deal with their own? And right now you're trying to establish healthy boundaries, but yet you continue to rescue. For us to balance grace and truth, we have to learn to love and not rescue. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, test question, how many of you have tried to make a miserable person happy? Okay, thank you for your honesty. How did that work for you? In most cases, people who try to help miserable people be happy end up becoming miserable themselves. Why is that? We tend to rescue miserable people. We want everything, oh, do you need some money? Oh, do you need a job? Oh, do you need a place to stay? Oh, you know, oh, you're hurting right now. Just, I understand. And we, we, we coddle and we try to rescue them and save them from their issues instead of coming alongside with them and loving them. And we need to learn to love them without rescuing them. And the question you should be asking is this. Should they be doing this themselves? Should they be getting a job on their own? getting sober, getting a better attitude, getting a new personality, solving their own financial problems? Should they be doing that on their own? And when they do, when they're able to, when you're allowed to come alongside of them in a safe way, in a healthy way, and you speak truth and, and you provide grace, you know what happens? They solve their own problems on their own. And now you've created healthy boundaries. you created a healthy relationship. Now, the only exception to this, and this, guys, this would be for you when you're laying in bed at night and your wife says, honey, would you get me a glass of water? And you go, no, no. The pastor says I'm not to rescue. I am not getting you a glass of water. You get yourself your own. Going to make for a long night. That involves a couch. I'm just saying. That may be personal experience there. 
I'm just saying. But seriously, we've got to love without rescuing. Do you hear a theme in this message so far that's very close to what Scripture is all about? Grace, truth, and what? Love. What is Scripture all about? Grace, truth, and love. And we need to learn also to confront in love. If I was to ask for a show of hands of those of you in this room that love confrontation, it will probably be five or less. None of us love confrontation. None of us sit around going, can't wait tomorrow's confrontation. Going to let them have it. Yay, confrontation, right? We all tend to freak out when it comes to confrontation. Like, i got to have that conversation. And you're up all night and your palms are sweaty and you're rehearsing in your mind what you're going to say. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. We're to confront. We're to go to people in love and tell them when we see something that could be of error. I have blind spots in my life. I know it. You have blind spots in your life. And we're to go ahead and have that tough talk. We need to tell each other the truth. The blind spots have got to be. My wife tells me about my blind spots all the time. Oh, your, your tone of voice, honey. Your attitude, honey. I, I, I would call her out on her blind spots. It doesn't work. She, I don't have blind spots. But she, but she calls them out because she loves me. And because I'm more vocal, probably. But she shows them to me very clearly. And she does it and says, you've got to watch how you say things. You've got to watch you know, your tone of voice, your attitude. And that's how we love each other, by confronting each other in love. She's not doing it to, to rip me apart and try to beat me up. That's not what confrontation is. She's not trying to beat me up and say, I'm going to win, I'm going to change you, I'm going to judge you, I'm going to condemn you. But she's saying, and what we need to say, I want a better relationship. This is about us. I want a better us. And I've got to tell you the truth because of us. I'm not, you're not a project. And when you confront and love, you're not telling this person, I'm going to fix your problems. You're saying, I love you and I want this relationship to work. I want healthy boundaries. I want healthy, I want this to be a healthy relationship. So I'm sharing these things with you because I'm concerned that you may not see these things in your life. And when you see these things and I can bring them to the forefront of your mind, we'll have a better relationship. That's healthy boundaries. A better relationship. Sometimes people confuse confrontation with being selfish. Like, oh, you're just telling me that because you want this from me and you want this. It's all about you, 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 you. Confrontation has nothing to do with being selfish. It actually has something to do with another S word, stewardship. God's given us the ability and the opportunity to confront people in love so that we can help our relationships to be healthy with healthy boundaries. And I'm trying to make a healthy me, and I'm, you're trying to make a healthy you, and we're all trying to make a healthy us in these relationships. And I'm trying to be a steward of what God's given me to make that happen. But if I'm pouring my life down the drain with somebody who's not willing to hear about their blind spots, then I am not being a good steward of the things that God has given me in order to make that relationship healthy. So I've got to be responsible to God and say, God, you've given me these opportunities to show love, to confront in love, so that I can help this relationship, relationship be at its best. That's stewardship. 
So with the remaining moments that I have in this message, I want to share with you what you can do, what we all can do, moving forward today for a better tomorrow by putting in some action steps, things that we can do right now. These are skills. They're simple skills, but they're going to take some practice. A good athlete doesn't become a great athlete without practice. A good musician doesn't become a great musician without practice. A good actor doesn't become a great actor without rehearsing and practice. And if we use these skills and we put these skills in place and practice them, we will establish moving forward a better tomorrow with healthy relationships and healthy boundaries. The first thing we need to do again, going along with the theme, is that we need to start from a position of love. Start from the position, I want this person to win. They bug me, they may drive me crazy, I might not even like them right now, but I love them and I want them to win. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Think about it. God loved you when you were totally unlovable, right? And there are times in our lives we have people that are totally unlovable, and God says, you need to love them. You start from a position of love. You don't start off with, I'm going to fix you, I'm going to change you, I'm going to punish you. You start from that position that says, I want what's best. I want the we the work we, the marriage we, the dating we, the friendship we. The we's not working right now, but I love you. Let's work together through love, and we must start with love. So we've got to start with a position of love, and then we've got to say the word no. So much, so much of us think the word no is a negative word. It's not a negative word. It's a healthy word. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. There is a time, you guys, to say no in healthy relationships. It's a good word. It really is a good word. But we're trained not to say no. And I would challenge a lot of parents today, including myself, on the fact that a lot of us have a hard time telling our kids no. Because we don't want them to not like us. We want to be their friend. And, and so we enable them or we rescue them and we, don't, we give in to them. And whatever they need, we want because we don't want them to be, you know, we don't want them to hate us. We don't want them to dislike us. So we don't say no. If you have a hard time saying no, you're a perfect target for telemarketers. And you're probably sitting at home with 20 magic bullets, 10 cases of that sealant tape. You know where that guy is driving that boat across the lake with his, it's all tape. Look at that, no leaks. You got like 30 cases because when they call you, you go, uh, sure, I'll buy three of those. And you got a whole house full of stuff because you have a hard time saying no. The word no is a good word. And God says, use it. It's healthy. Steve Jobs back in 1997 left Apple Corporation because he thought it was going to tank. He thought it was a dud. Apple was going nowhere. Think about this for a moment. Apple was at $4 a share back then. Missed that one, didn't we? But he came back. He came back to try to save this dying company. And at the time, he was presented with 18 phenomenal ideas of how to resurrect this company and make it the best. 18 people with 18 incredible ideas but all 18 ideas were going a different way. When Steve Jobs came back to that corporation, he came back with a new model, and that new model was focus on the no. 
Not only did he say no to the 18 wonderful, great, phenomenal ideas, he got rid of those 18 people. And he took the four or five mediocre ideas, but they were all rooted together, and he kept them together. He said, we're going to function from here. Experts say it was that decision that resurrected Apple's corporation to make it what it is today. Because he said no. He was able to focus in on the no. So many of us want to say yes to every idea and every thought and everything when it comes to relationships. And we put ourselves in harm's way of not having healthy boundaries. Why? Because we can't say no. There was a businessman recently who said, uh, a lot of people will hear the word no and then they follow that up with why? Sometimes we think no is the answer, but they'll come back with why. Why not? And you're like, uh, um. well, he came up with the perfect solution. Five words. You're taking notes this morning. Here are the five magical words to follow up when somebody doesn't understand your word no. Here it is. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. It's a great statement. It's nice. It's not harsh. It closes the conversation. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. That doesn't work for me. Let's practice that. Ready? That doesn't work for me. All right, one more time. That doesn't work for me. Oh, man, you guys are mean. That's harsh. That's... But really, it is a conversation ender. It says exactly what you mean. It doesn't work for me. That tone of voice doesn't work for me. Your inappropriate behavior doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me. And so you're, you have this empowerment message that you can use. No, and that doesn't work for me. The last thing that you can put into practice, which is one of those that you go, all right, show me this in Scripture, and I will. It's okay to give consequences. It's okay to give consequences. Sometimes you have to go beyond just saying no to doing no. Proverbs 19.19, a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them, and you will have to do it again. Anyone in here have a rageaholic or somebody in your family that struggles with anger? Yeah. How do you like walking around them? It's like walking on eggshells. You don't know when they're going to be set off. You don't know when they're going to explode. And they know exactly how to get what they want from you. They annoy you, bug you to the point where you respond in harsh attitude back, and it sets them off. And you try to use your words, and it doesn't work. And sometimes your words have to move to action. Because there is a high percentage of our human population that disregard words altogether. You know them. You could tell them anything, but they don't listen. They disregard, they disregard your vulnerability of, this hurts me. They disregard your warnings, this is going to be bad. They disregard your steps to health. They disregard anything you say. And what they're telling you is this, I don't care about your words. Words don't change me. The only thing that changes me is pain. Your words can't affect me. Only thing that affects me is pain. And then all you can say is, then I've got to bring God's discipline into this situation. I've got to make a decision that I'm going to just not say no, but I'm going to do no. You take a three-year-old, for instance. A three-year-old, little Jimmy, is hitting little Susie in the head. And he continues to hit Susie in the head. And you go, Jimmy, stop hitting Susie in the head. You're going to keep her from going to Harvard one day. She's going to, lose, she's going to have a low self-esteem if you don't stop that. Well, Jimmy keeps doing it. What do you do to Jimmy? You put him in, time out. Right? The consequence. 
Well, there are a lot of 32-year-olds who have a mindset of a 3-year-old. Sometimes they need consequences. So that's what, this is how those consequences look like. If you continue this behavior, I'll leave the room. Consequence. If you continue this behavior, I might just leave the house. If you continue to talk to me this way, I will hang up the phone. If you continue to behave this way, I will not be able to give you my time, my energy, my money, my heart. This doesn't work for me. Consequences are sometimes necessary. You're establishing boundaries for health so that you can experience grace, truth, and give love in those relationships. And when those relationships are demanding and they're not following the love that you're giving them and they're not listening to the no's, you sometimes have to go to the next step and give consequences. Start from a position of love. Say you know when we need to say no. Give consequences when necessary. Tools, simple tools, but they need practice. And, if you, you, and you can start practicing these skills and tools today that will allow you to have a better tomorrow. I know some of you are in relationships right now that there are no boundaries and you have to start someplace and you have to start simple. It might be just starting with one of those. It might just be learning to start from a position of love. That's what I'm doing. I'm in the same boat with some of you. I have an area in my life right now with my siblings that live in Chicago where I am struggling with boundaries. And it's affected my relationship with my wife and my daughters where they've recognized me being very stressed out and very much affected by the fact that there are no boundaries. I'm trying to find the right spot, starting spot for me because there has been a major falling out. And so I need to learn one of these skills to start with right now, and that's the position of love. I can't go with the no's and I can't go with the giving the consequences right now. The position I have to start with is no. So where is it for you? For you to have a better tomorrow where you can enjoy the benefits of a healthy relationship and healthy boundaries. What tool do you need to start just simply today to move forward? In all of these, let me just tell you this. There is hope for those of us in here that are struggling with boundaries and healthy relationships and it's been a struggle and difficult and hard and you're rescuing people and you're, and you're not following through on your words and you're not coming through with the grace and the truth. There is hope. There is hope for a good and healthy relationship. And that's what boundaries are all about. Boundaries are not about destroying things. They're about making crazy, unhealthy relationships sane. Let me give you this last verse as an encouragement to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. And be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. God is with you. God wants, you to help, wants to help you start healthy boundaries and healthy relationships. He's on your team. God wants, to have, wants you to have the hard talk, and he will show you how to do it. God wants you to love them, and he'll give you the grace to do it. God wants to sometimes help you set limits in the behavior so that that will help them become healthier themselves. And that's where the miracle begins, when we trust in God. There's hope. That's the plan. To move from today to a better tomorrow, it's grace, truth, and love. Let's pray. God, as we conclude this three-week series on boundaries, I know from the conversations I've had that you are working in the lives of many people. 
there are a lot of us who have struggled with these boundaries, who have struggled with um, the health of our coworkers, maybe our neighbors, our own family. And we're just looking for something that will help. Lord, you want to help us. And you've given us these tools throughout Scripture to help us move from today to a better tomorrow. And we need that. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word that guides us to healthy relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, full of grace, truth, and love. We thank you for Jesus, who is the greatest example of the greatest relationships. We pray this in his name. Amen.